Here we are in Matthew 16. The gospel is all about Jesus. He is the good news. And let's talk about Jesus now so we can know him better and follow him. And I want to read from you in Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Did you hear what Jesus said about himself? He said, Peter, you are right. I am the Christ. Predicted thousands of years ago, I am the Son of the living God made flesh. I am building my church and I'm giving you my keys to unlock the gates of hell that you might release the prisoners that Satan has there. This is good news. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's great news. You see, Jesus is the most captivating, enthralling person in the entire universe who will restore this sin-broken world to God's original paradise. We sang about it this morning. And he calls us to join Peter with this God-revealed truth of his identity. He blesses his followers by calling us to be partners in this grand mission. Here, Jesus takes his 12 to the northern part of Israel, a place called Benias or Panias, and this was a center of pagan worship. I've been there. I've seen they have these cliff walls there, and they have little niches, and, and people would put their, their gods in those niches and bow down to them and pray. There was a temple to the god Pan there as well, and people worshiped Baal there. So in the midst of all of these gods that the, that the known world was worshiping, Jesus popped the question, who do you think I am? Am I one of these? Am I just one more of these? And amongst all those gods and all that culture and all the world history, Peter, the outspoken one, says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. At this strategic location and at this strategic time in this church, he wants you to understand who he is. If Jesus were to ask you in the midst of your school, your studies, your work, your neighborhood, tell people who I am, what would you tell them? What would be the message? Would you tell them the truth? Well, I want to give you three main Bible passages, which are kind of a thumbnail summary sketch of who, what the gospel is, John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish 
but have everlasting life. What a promise. What a statement. If you believe in me, I'm going to give you everlasting life. This is the most basic uh, message of the good news. Believe in Jesus and receive the gift of eternal life. That's great news. The Bible tells us that, that the motivation for God doing this is that He loves the world. The whole world. He loves you. No matter where you're coming from. Even if you're LBGQT, I don't get the rest of those things. He loves you. He does. Even if you have a broken life and, and, and you're a criminal or a felon, He loves you. No matter what your caste or skin color, Jesus died for you. Isn't that amazing? And, and, but also, uh, if, even if you're a Nazi, if you don't believe in my politics, God loves you. Dear friend of mine who lived the life for about 12 years with another man, heard this news for the first time. Instead of Christians saying, you're going to hell, you're going to burn, he heard somebody say, you know, God loves you. And all of a sudden, a light came into his heart, and he had heard in the Bible that such were some as you, but God saved you. And he realized, you mean I can change? And from the inside out, he changed. He put away that life, and now he's been married, what, 12 years? Godly woman, 13 years, we know him. 17 years. It keeps getting better. What a godly brother he is. But he knows what the life is, but it was the gospel, not the condemnation. But God loves you. All the world. He loves his enemies. He died for his enemies while they were killing him. What a, what a great scripture for the gospel. Here's another one. In 1 Corinthians 5, 15, verses 1 through 8, Here's a thumbnail sketch of that. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and, and then appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. The good news is that Jesus is God who became flesh and lived among us, and He physically died, and He physically rose from the dead, and He physically ascended into heaven. He's not some ideal. He is a dynamic personality sitting at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us right now. That's good news. And here's some more. Here's the third thing. Jesus is the, now hold on. I just said God loves everybody, but listen to this. Jesus is the only, only, only one who can save you from hell and give you abundant life right now. And that's the third gospel part in 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 5. God, our Savior, wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, Hero Israel, the Lord God is one, and one mediator between God and man, and his name is the man Christ Jesus, not some avatar, not some prophet, not some founder of any religion, but only Jesus. 
because he gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in proper time. There's three passages which talks about the message. There is no other one ever worthy of your worship, is there? No. When Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am? Step up to the plate and confess with your mouth that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the only one able to save me and saved me, and I have no other message but Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is worthy of our worship. And I've written in your message notes, Revelation 5, 1 through 14, and I want to read that for you. Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll and writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under earth can open the scroll or look inside it. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Confucius, not Taoism. No one could open the scroll. And I wept, and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. <laughs> and then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if he'd been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. He came and took the scroll in his right hand and, and, and of him, from him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain. That song is going on right now. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all send them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Who do you say that I am? What will you tell people about Jesus? I love how Chris Tomlin sings the song written by Andrew Peterson and Ben Shive, Is He Worthy? Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? 
We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? <laughs> it is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he is David's root and lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and glory and honor? Is he worthy of this? He is. Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? Oh, He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave, He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe, every nation and tongue. He has made us a kingdom of priests to God to reign with his son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? What about you? Is he worthy? Who do you say I am? Is he worthy of your confession before all the gods and all the cultures and all the cancel culture, and all the peer pressure to say, there's only one who's worthy of my devotion, and his name is Jesus, and he's good news. Let me tell you about him. Jesus is worthy of all of our trust. Now let's turn back to Matthew 16, verse 21, and finish the rest of the story here. From that time... On, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. <laughs> but Peter, who just said, you're worthy, said this, oh, no, 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 Lord, no, never, Lord, this, is, this shall never happen to you. But hear what Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the things of God in mind, but the things of men. Oh, Jesus, by your Spirit, let us have the things of God in mind as we think about our church and our lives. And let us seek to worship you. Verse 24 goes on to say, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Now listen to this. Have you crossed that line? Have you made this decision? If anyone would... Come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be if a man gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Tragic. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And verse 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, 
and then reward each person according to what he has done. And he is coming soon. This would be a good day for the rapture. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Would you ask yourself, would you ask the Lord, what stumbling block have I put before you that causes me to think about the things of men rather than the things of God? What distracts me? What untruth about you have I held on to? Oh, Lord, remove that stumbling block. Are you hard of hearing because that stumbling block is plugging your ears and your heart and you've hardened your heart? And he says, come and you say, I will, maybe, maybe someday. I'll do it partly. And he says, no now. When we were in Southern California recently for Judy's uh, sister's celebration of life, we were invited to a church that was meeting there, I think on the coast, Mission Vale, somewhere in there, on the coast, San Clemente. And it's called Shoreline. And the people who helped start it said, I asked him, so why do you name a church Shoreline? So what was started by a surfer dude who was a, a world champion surfer, he became born again, he came and he wanted to reach the surfers there on the coast there where they surf all the time. And so he started sharing the gospel. And so they started, and it became a church and they decided to name the church and they took it from the time where, where Jesus called his disciples and they pulled the, their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him, the shoreline. That's what Jesus is calling you as believers to do. Leave your business and follow me and make me your business. Leave your retirement. I'm talking to me now. Mike, leave your retirement life and follow me. And I said, no way. We had this conversation, so I'm preaching my life, okay? But in Genesis 22, God tested Abraham to see if he would listen to the things of God which are contrary to the things of men. You know the story. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said, Abraham, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and take him to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on, the one, of the, on one of the mountains I tell you about. And early the next morning, I mean, I would wait till the end of the day, but it seems to me Abraham had been wrestling all night with God. Do I trust you, Lord? Do I trust you to leave the consequences of my child's life in your hands? Do I trust you enough to do that? Of course, we read in Hebrews, he reasoned that God could raise Isaac from the dead. So he was in a hurry to get through this. And so he did. He took his son, Isaac, and they traveled down to Jerusalem, to Mount Moriah, where the temple was built later on. And he had, the, he had bound Isaac, that teenage boy, and Isaac submitted to that and said, you know, here's the fire, here's the knife, but where's the sacrifice? And God will provide, you know. And Abraham says, God will provide. And he took the knife, and it wasn't a rubber knife. And he was going to slay his only son, the promise of, of, that, he, that he and his Sarah had in the later in his life that was going to be the inheritor of his, and the nation would come from that. And he had his hand up, and the Lord said, stop it. Now I know that you fully trust me alone and I will bless you. And you can read about that blessing in a great way. And the Lord does that to us now. Who do you say I am? Are you willing to put your sacred Isaac on the altar and follow me with all your heart 
and trust me for the consequences? Are we going to live the limited life? Are you going to come on and cross the shoreline and follow him wholeheartedly? That's what Jesus wants. Who do you say I am? Old Peter, I like him because he loved to fish. And also, I'm like him. He always put his mouth in his foot. Foot in his mouth. There you go. And remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he came back to restore Peter. And Peter and the guys were out fishing on the Galilee. And they caught more fish than they could bring in. And who's that guy on the shoreline cooking the fish for them that, for that breakfast? And, and so they, they brought the boats ashore. They drug in the fish. And like true fishermen, they counted every one of them. And they also talked about the size of the fish. That's why I like this story. And so here's Peter who had been a commercial fisherman, this is what you call a success in the fishing industry, won't you say? I've got fish to can and sell. We can make lots of money. And here are my fishing buddies I've known all my life that, that I've known for the past three years very well. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than fishing? That really sticks to me. It's hard. Do you love going out fishing with your buddies all night and catching fish? Yeah. Do you love me more than these, Peter? Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus three times asked him that question and said every time, if you love me more than these, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, take care of my lambs. You know the story? And he asked us this morning. In fact, he asked me all the time, and I look out the backyard and see my grandkid. Oh, I love her. Comes through that friendship gate. Bugs the heck out of me. And I have Judy put a sign on that kitchen window where I see her. It says, blessed. Oh, I'm blessed. Mike, do you love me more than these? Every day. So, what do you say to Jesus? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are Lord, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, Lord. You are Lord of me. You are my boss. Lord, I surrender all to you right now, right here. I just want to be with you. When I was 17, I read uh, and prayed this prayer that my 16-year-old girlfriend had written in the front of her Bible. That girlfriend is now my wife, and this is her Bible. At 16. And she's got all these notes in it and so forth. And I started reading and thinking, who does this? Who writes in their Bible and marks in it? What's, I've never met a 16-year-old girl who, I'm going to try to date, that does this anyway. <laughs> I wrote it and down for you in your, in your notes so you can see it as well. And maybe this will be your covenant. Lord, I give up my own purposes and plans, 
all my own desires, hopes, and ambitions, whether they be fleshly or soulish. And accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all utterly to thee, to be thine forever. I hand over to thy keeping all of my friendships, my love. All the people whom I love are to take second place in my heart. Feel me and seal me with thy Holy Spirit and work out thy whole will in my life at any cost now and forever. And I read that. And my life changed. And I want to tell you, it's for the better. I want to tell you, it's been good. It's been hard. But I'm thinking about the path I was on until God intercepted my life at Sky Ranch with my dear wife, Judy Wise. In your Bible, doesn't he? Would you join me like that? Church, would you join us in this intentional transition to say, I'm yours. Have your way with us, Lord. Not my way, but yours be done. The gospel message is written for you and for those across the street and all over the place. It's the good news of God's kingdom where he rules as king in your heart and in your life. And the writers didn't just write this for your information, but he wrote it for transformation for you to be a part of it. Trust and follow Jesus so you can participate in the new creation Jesus began. I, I took that from the Bible Project. Look at it again. So will you, and you out there watching on camera, come on down. You know, I'm thinking about someone, somebody mentioned, why not having a, an open house so I can take and give you a cook's tour of the building and meet me? I will do that. If you're interested, just send me an email and we'll get a group of people and I'll take you around. But we want you to be part of the body of, of, the body of Christ and connect Connect with us. What a wonderful time of transition. Let's not put our light on a stand and cover it with our past or our apathy or our half-heartedness or cover that light with our fears and our preferences. Let's, let's put that light on a stand where it shines brightly throughout the whole community, Washington County and across the world. And let's take the salt of our lives and pour it out of the salt shaker of this church into our community to be a flavor and a savor and a, and a preservative to protect our community. But you may ask, well, isn't the church for us? I wrote this in the Weekly Connection. Dave Browning heard that question and he said, no, we are the church. Our church is for the unsaved. Let us keep the arrows pointing outward, not inward. This is not a country club. This is not a social group primarily, although that comes. But if we're not seeing people come to faith in Christ through what you're doing, don't do it in this church. Make it an evangelistic tool like we're doing for Trunk or Treat. All of your cherished programs are good, but if they're not bringing people to Christ, it could be a lot better right? Those unsaved people come in and see you love one another and say, man, I want to be part of this. But you got to share the gospel with them. Just not have a one. I'm glad you had a wonderful time. So I was at the, what, at the prayer breakfast Wednesday. It was really great down at the, someplace over in, by the airport. <laughs> great place. 
And I was, I was first of all, intrigued that, that the mayor of Hillsborough would be at a, at a prayer breakfast. But, and I sat on the edge of my seat because he began to talk about, you know, politicians. Hillsborough is ranked seventh in some publications, the best place to live, another place 28. I think, oh, man, this is a politician. Then he says, but let me ask you this. How would Jesus rank our community by our witness as churches? He got me. How would he rank our church as an outreach into our community? That's what we're trying to think about. Oh, Father, ignite, reignite in me and all of us our first love for you. Cause it to burn brightly and powerfully and, and to move us forward to move as you want us to be. Cause us to hear your voice calling us and calling me and give me the grace and give us the grace to get up and open the door, our door, the church door, so that we will follow you together in unity. Oh, God, nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is impossible. We run to you. Jesus, you said we would face troubles. You would say we have tribulations. But you said, be of good cheer, for you have overcome the world. So, Lord, after all is said and done, I, I say all I want is you, Jesus Christ. Give us that passion for your Son, that you're all we want after all is said and done. In Jesus' name.